Hallelujah. Well, I am very excited because today we are going to have a guest speaker. And um, we are, we've been on a series here where we're talking about our core beliefs. But, uh, but uh, Doug came to me and he, he, he uh, shared a word that I believe is a word in season for many of us. And so I want you to prepare your hearts to receive from the Lord. And I'm looking around and I don't see Doug yet, so I'm getting worried. Where is he? Right here. Okay. Just make sure he was in the room. You know, he's, he's here, so we're in, a, we're, we're in good form. Can we welcome our dear brother and elder, Doug Easterday. Thank you. Well, good morning. Just take a moment to prepare your heart, would you please? For you to receive what God has for you. I, I just want to suggest that what I'm about to share applies to everybody. It's not a message that uh, only targets a half or a portion, but everybody, uh, this will affect and will apply to you. So just open your heart to receive what God has for you. We don't all need the same thing, but God knows how to customize and to speak to you what you need and the person next to you something very different what God needs for them. Amen? So just receive that. Just open your heart to receive that which God has for you. And we believe for that, Lord. We ask for that. And we expect that in Jesus' name. How many have ever received bad news? Bad, bad news not too long ago. I got a call from the bank. How many know when you get a call from the bank, it's usually you don't really want to take that call. Anybody with me? Like, I don't want to, do I have to take this call? How many know ignoring it doesn't make the bad news go away? Mm. So the bank called and said, did you just buy a $9,000 diamond bracelet in New York? Well, uh, I wish I would have, but no. Did you, die, did you buy a $4,000 ring in New Jersey? Uh, no. Did you buy a $1,500 necklace? The answer to all these was no. He says, well, um, your credit card was, or your, your bank account is overdrawn because they got into your checking account. This was December 1st. How many of you know you like to have a little money around Christmas when you're a father and a grandfather and a husband? And it's like, are you kidding me? And they said, well, we're going to work on it, but it'll probably take us 10 days. And for those 10 days, you can't use your checking account. That's bad news. And we've all had experiences that we could rehearse together of what bad news we get, and then we think, oh, oh, God, help. And what I want to share today is about the peace of God and the rest of God when we need it so desperately. How many need the peace of God? But I think often what we are hoping or expecting or wanting or thinking that should happen is really not the peace of God, it's the peace of the world. 
And the peace of the world does not take you very far. Somebody should say amen to that. The peace this world has is exceedingly limited. But see, what is peace? Well, let's, let's talk about some things that's not. Peace is not the absence of war. Now, we don't want war, amen? But that's not the type of peace we're looking at, looking for. The peace we're looking for is not just the absence of bad news. The peace of God is not feeling better about a situation. That's not what we're looking for. That at best is peace of mind. But I want us to turn to Scripture and look at the characteristics of what God says is His peace. First of all, let's look at Psalm 29, verse 11. And it says that the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with what? With what? Peace is a blessing of God. I want to suggest to you the world system cannot have the blessing of peace of God. Have you ever gone to someone about a decision you're making, a counselor, a pastor, and often when people come to us, we ask them this question, do you have peace about it? Do you have peace about it? Why, why is this thing, peace, so critically important even about making decisions? I believe this, because there is no counterfeit for the peace of God. The enemy cannot reproduce peace. The best the world system and the enemy has, the best they can come up with is numbing us. That's why alcohol and drugs and different uh, alternatives seems to be successful because they kind of numb us to what we're trying to face. But what we really need is not what the world can give but what God gives. And that is a blessing of God. In Psalm 34, verse 14, it asks us to seek this thing called peace. To seek it. Do you want it? Then we need to seek it. It means go look for it. It also says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 that he will keep us. Now, you can't keep something if you don't have it. <clears throat> I have my huge wad of money right here, all $4. <laughs> I can keep it because I got it. But if you have it, <laughs> you're supposed to catch it. <laughs> now, I can't keep it anymore because I don't have it. Are you with me? I gave it back. <laughs> and we cannot keep something unless we have it. And God says that he will keep us in perfect peace. What kind of peace? That only can come from God. How do we have that? For those whose minds are steadfast. I like the translation that says his mind is stayed on God. Mind are connected to God's thoughts. Your thoughts become God's thoughts. 
We also see in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17 that peace is a fruit of righteousness. It's a fruit. So fruit is from something that we produce and it's a result of something that we're doing. Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna especially have us look at Philippians chapter four. This is probably the most talked about verses when, um, when we speak about peace. In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start looking and start reading from verse 4. <clears throat> I, I'm really convinced that what we often want or, or we're hoping for or desiring when bad situations happen is not the thing we should be looking for. I would suggest it's more peace of mind or uh, better information, and that is not the peace of God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 that says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. How often? I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God the what? The peace of God, which transcends all, how much? All, how much? All understanding. What does that mean? I like the translation actually uses the word passes. How many of you have been pursuing uh, something that is a little bit beyond your mental capacity and then you get to a point where oh, I, I've passed my ability to grasp that. Anybody ever been there? You're, you're trying to learn a new computer program or something and you're going like, I just passed my limit. And we no longer understand it. That's the concept. It passes mental ability to grasp why I should feel better. It says it passes understanding. It goes beyond natural. My father, who pastored for nearly 50 years before he got his promotion to be with Jesus, had surgery. And as they opened him up, uh, suspecting there would be cancer, but felt pretty confident they could remove this disease from his body through the surgical procedure. As they opened him up, it was just quite a bit worse than they had anticipated. And they closed him back up and said that there's really nothing that we can do. I lived in a different state, so I flew up immediately to be with my dad. And the day after the surgery, as we discussed, I realized no one had told my father yet the result of the surgery. So I did. I said, well, Dad, they were not able to get the surgery I mean, or to get, to get the cancer. Really? Well, what happened? Well, Dad, it's, it's a whole lot worse than they, they had anticipated. 
He said, son, how bad is it? He gave me one of those father looks. How many of you people know what a father look is? Like, tell me the truth, buddy. <laughs> he gave me that look, and I knew I better tell him the truth. And I says, well, Dad, they've given you two weeks to live. I remember him, his eyes kind of turned toward the window of the hospital. This was in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we were over looking over the capital of the state, and I remember him looking out the window, and I went over and I grabbed his hand, and I said, Daddy, how you doing? What's, what's going on? And he turned to me and he said, this new information you just gave me did not change my God, nor change his promises. That is the peace of God. Doesn't make sense to our minds. It passes our understanding. See, when we get the call from the doctor's office, you know, your, uh, your, your blood tests were a little irregular, we want you to come back in. How many of you have a little bit of panic? Anybody besides me? Or whatever situation that we might illustrate this with, some kind of situation that is, <laughs> so I don't know what you do, but usually call somebody or whatever. And then what do these people say? Well, you know, don't jump to conclusions yet. You know, we haven't got the full results. We, we don't know for sure that's the situation. And we try to help them feel better. Are you with me? My friends, that's not the peace of God. That's peace of mind at best. See, the peace of God is a gift from God like salvation. He gives it to us because it's a blessing from him. And it's not comprehensible in your mental ability to gather information. And because of information, you can deduct a reasonable response. The peace of God is something that is supernatural. It's God's gift to you. And it goes beyond understanding. It goes beyond mental ability. And we have it. And we don't know why we got it. But by golly, we know we got it. That's the peace of God. Anybody interested? Because we all have situations that we don't know what to do or know we're gonna, how we're going to proceed. And that's where we need so desperately to have something that's beyond our understanding, beyond our ability to comprehend or deduct. And simply a touch of the living God. And he gives us peace that passes understanding. And then it goes on to say, and it guards, uh, uh, the translation, again, that I actually prefer is it rules. Rules. It's, it's in charge of it. It guards your heart and your mind. And let's make those words a little bit more um, applicable to how we think. That's emotions in my mind. That's where the battle is. Are you with me? Our emotions struggle and my mind's all those thoughts are going. Granted? And it says it rules, it guards. All the thoughts that are raging, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the, thought, the things that you need is not better information. Listen to me. Bad information cannot pace, take peace away. 
Good information does not give you peace, and bad information cannot remove peace when it's the peace of God. Peace is not something that we have based upon improvement of situations. Peace is not better information to replace bad information. The peace that we need is the peace of God. I did a study. This is probably, oh, 15 years or so ago. I looked up every scripture in the Bible that was about peace. And it was, it was a lengthy study. It took me oh, a couple of weeks. Looked up every scripture and what is peace. And I, I looked up every scripture, read them, wrote them out. And after I got all done, I wasn't convinced I really knew. So I said, well, God, I, I'm not sure exactly how to define this thing we're looking for. Lord, what is your peace? And I believe God spoke to me, and I want to submit to you what I believe the peace of God really is. And the peace of God is the absence of inner turmoil. The absence of inner turmoil, and you could have that in the midst of bad news. Hello. You can have that when you still are not sure how you're going to address the situation that you just heard from the bank, from the doctor, from whomever. I was in the military when I was young. <laughs> I remember one day I was in a formation of 153 men. This is in Fort Knox, Kentucky. I wanted to make a little withdrawal from their bank, but they wouldn't let me in. And the, the military had been a very difficult thing for me. I, I felt as though I was the only Christian in the U.S. military. Now, I know that's ridiculous, but I hadn't found another one yet. And at night, I just take laps around the barracks to try to keep some sanity. And I'd sing songs I'd learned. I remember my favorite song is, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything that I could tell. Because I'd read my Bible and they'd throw their boots at me. My commanding officer hated Christians. It was just, a, it was a difficult time for me. I, other guys went out and they snuck out and went drinking and I would go to prayer meetings and they didn't get in trouble. I did. <laughs> and I'm in a formation. This is right in the beginning days of Vietnam. And 153 men were in this formation. They were reading our orders. And they would call us in alphabetical order. Anderson, Alan T. And so Anderson, Alan T, he would step forward and he'd say, Saw. And they'd read your orders. One after another after another. And everyone had the same thing. RVN, which meant Republic of Vietnam. I was scheduled to be married in eight days from that moment. 
And I had decided I don't think it would be fair to Joyce to get married and then go to Vietnam. Not knowing if I'd come back or if I'd come back in the same way or the same body parts. <laughs> and so I decided I would not get married. And I'm in that formation. And everyone, 100%, A's and the B's and the C's and the D's. I got in the middle of the D's and the papers were not all there, so they said, stand at ease, which meant you could stand like this. You could talk, but you couldn't leave. A military formation, men, when we get nervous, we get vulgar often. And there were the, the foulest language on earth. Oh, I'm going to go kill some gooks. I mean, it, just, it was just, it was disgusting. I did not want to participate in any of the conversations around me. The language was so inappropriate. And, and then the jokes and all the things. And I, I'm there. Scheduled to be married in eight days. And I... I was in turmoil. How many of you understand that might be a little bit less, more than peaceful? Every circumstance is possible. And my commanding officer had raided, um, it came, uh, orders had come down to raid lockers and, and uh, he only raided one locker out of a, this whole company of 100 guys, and I, it was mine, and he took my Bible and he cursed it and he threw it across the room, and he says, so what do you think of that, Christian? And that was what I was facing. It was difficult and hard, and I, I want to get out of there. And I'm standing there saying, Father, I sure don't like these circumstances. Oh, I need you. I don't know how to describe to you what happened to me. I don't know how to tell you what God did, but there was this, all I can say is like an invisible cylinder kind of came out of heaven and enveloped me. And I was in the presence of God in the middle of a military formation that was anything that would welcome the presence of God. And there I was weeping, and I had peace beyond my understanding. Are you with me? Peace does not come from information, therefore bad information does not, does not have the power to take it away, because it's a gift of the living God. People get frustrated with me. Well, what happened? My illustration's over, but I'll tell you what happened, just in case you're interested. 153 guys, 150 got orders for Vietnam. The top three finishers of the class, I happened to be the top finisher, so I got promoted on, and I was sent to Europe. And got married. And I helped smuggle Bibles into communist countries at Uncle Sam's expense. <clears throat> But please don't tell Uncle Sam that. He might not be happy. <laughs> See, the peace of God does not come from circumstantial change. 
It's not getting a better database that will give you better peace. It's a better connection with the source of peace, and that's God himself. So what do you, you need peace? Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is not the absence of difficulty. Peace is not the absence of conflicts. Peace is a gift of God that's supernatural. I would even encourage you when you get a call from a friend that's just gotten bad news and they need some comfort, remember, let's pray for the real peace, not something less that won't give them what they really need. What we need is the peace of God. Now let's also look at rest. Peace and rest. You know, we call this time of year summer, and most of the time students don't have to go to school. We call it summer vacation, and some of us are really rejoicing because it's over, right? <laughs> most schools are out by next week, right? How many students are already done? Oh, look at that. Aren't you smiling? <laughs> How many got one more week left? Okay. They'll be smiling more next week. <laughs> See, we're the only English-speaking nation that uses the word vacation. You know what the word vacation, what the root word is? Vacate. I want to vacate. I want to get out of Dodge. I'm going to get away. Every other English-speaking nation, when they talk about that type of a, of a getaway, they call it a holiday, which is rooted in holy day. See, I don't think we need to vacate to get rest. Are you with me? It's not getting away. It's getting to something. And may we as a body not have summer vacation, but may we have summer holiday, spending precious, special time with God. Parents, have time with your kids connecting to God, just not trying to find out something to keep their time occupied. But spend some precious time on a holiday and not vacating. Rest. What is rest? What, it, what, what do we, when you say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a rest. What, what's rest for you? Taking a nap? Oh, that's, that's good. How many like naps? Nothing wrong with a nap. But that's not rest. That's a nap. And it's not that we're trying to convince you not to take a nap. But that's not real rest. Is rest not having to go to work? Do you know that you can be completely restful at work? Hello. At work, you can be at rest? Let's look at scriptures about rest. First one in Psalm 62, verse 1 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God, 
and some translations say in God alone. Rest only comes from God. My friends, I do not believe the world can give us peace or rest, but God can. Isaiah 63, verse 14. It says that like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you ever seen nervous cattle? How many see worried cattle? I haven't seen too many because they haven't figured out why they should be so scared or so worried. How many of have you heard chickens say, when am I going to get my next meal? See, the illustration is God cares for them. God's going to care for you. It's the rest of God. We also see another one in the 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. Let us love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest. Where? In his presence. I want to suggest to you, rest is not possible outside the presence of God. Anybody need rest? It's in the presence of God. How do we rest? In Hebrews, it talks about a Sabbath day rest. Hebrews chapter 4. I don't have time to quite go through this. Let's just jump on ahead to verse 8. If Joshua, the leader, had given them rest, then it would come from people. It could, they could go look to their leaders and say, give me some rest. But God says, I would not have given you something else later if it would come from people. And then verse 9 says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for whom? For whom? That's us. That's us. Now, a Sabbath's rest is not a particular day of the week. A Sabbath's rest is a spirit that comes from God. And it says that they'll never enter that rest. I won't let them. God gives rest and God withholds rest because it's a gift. Again, I did the same study about that time I was doing the study on peace. I did the same study on rest, looked up every scripture. There's quite a few less scriptures on rest as there is peace, so it didn't take me quite as long, but I looked up every scripture, wrote it out, and when I got all done, I had the, somewhat the same dilemma. I, I still wasn't sure what it was, I knew a little bit more of what it was not. But I think God wants to give us true rest. So I've come up with two different definitions of rest, and I want to submit them to you. First of all, rest is having no enemy to fight. 
don't know about you, that just begins to give me really excitement. Now, we understand that we'll always be having to fight. I, I want to bring balance to this. The enemy is still in the world. He has not, has not been eliminated. But we do know that Jesus defeated him on the cross. And as we abide in God, what Jesus accomplished, we have rest. And the second thing I want to give as a definition of rest is rest is the absence of things that drain me. The absence of things that just deplete me, that just wear on me. How many of you know things wear on us? And the rest of God is when those things are removed and I can be at rest even though I'm very busy, even though I'm occupied. See, the Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I don't know about you, but... The world system doesn't seem like easy and light. Anybody notice that? Anybody at work want to say, well, that doesn't sound like an easy day to me? That wasn't light. And I want to challenge us that there is available from God a loving Father. He has for us peace and rest. It's a gift. It's a gift. Worship team, could you come back? And prayer servant team, would you take your places as well? And I, I just want us to be able to receive today the peace of God. If you have a situation that just is troubling you, let's receive a gift from God. Let's receive that which only God can give, and that is peace and rest. It's available for you. You know, if you had a million dollars in the bank, it'd be pretty silly to leave bills unpaid. Would you agree? It'd be silly to have a financial need if it was sitting there already. Well, can I say that there is available for you the peace of God? It's silly not to take it, not to receive it. It's, it's not wise to have something offered to you and not ask for it. But you know, sometimes receiving peace and rest takes a step of humility. By coming forward and asking these people, would you pray? Would you pray with me? Would you support me in this? Because I really need peace. Can we stand together, please? I want to encourage you as the worship team leads us that you just take a moment. Don't, don't leave quite yet. We're not even quite at finishing time. Just take a couple of moments to respond to this in some way. Coming forward, asking these precious people to pray with you, sitting back down in your chair, and praying with your spouse or your family or whatever you feel is appropriate response. But let's leave this place today walking in the peace of God that passes understanding, meaning we don't understand how we got it. We just know we got it.
and the rest of God because that which drains me is no longer ruling me.